0: It's good to be back with a new episode of Explore and Engage with Anam. I will talk about the migrant crisis. I have been talking about the migrant crisis uh, for a few days now and what's happening in New York City. It's a situation that's that's constantly changing. There's a lot of speculation about what's going to happen with All the migrants who are now in New York City. um, Where will they be heading? Are they going to stay in New York City? Will they be shipped out to other communities in New York? Lots of questions, not enough answers. And let me just recap these are migrants who crossed the US Mexico border, they crossed the southern border to enter the United States and thousands of the thousands of these migrants were uh sent to new york city in buses and as the migrants arrived in new york city uh which is a sanctuary city by the way i, I mentioned that previously uh, in my podcast and i need to state that again new york city is a sanctuary city what that means is that people who arrive in New York City, according to the liberal leaders of New York who um, declared the city to be a sanctuary city, it means that people who are arriving in the city, they get to stay, that they will find a sanctuary, that they they will find a place to stay, that they won't be turned away. That's a sanctuary. and And so... As migrants arrived in the United States, they were sent to New York City so that they can find a place to stay. But it seems that the city can't handle the pressure anymore. And uh, city leaders are now looking for other places to, to house these migrants, places outside of New York City. And so the latest update that I learned is that many migrants may soon be heading towards Erie County in western New York. Erie County may eventually become the home of many migrants who arrived in New York City. Reportedly, the Erie County Executive has said that they don't know where the migrants will be housed. So that remains a big question, and that has been a question for a while, as 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 the country continues to see a massive, a massive influx of migrants. Where will these migrants be housed? I talked about housing. In the previous episode of my podcast, I talked about how difficult it is to find housing for American citizens. American citizens when they go and search for a for a house that they want to buy, the inventory in many communities across the country, the house housing inventory is low. Prices have gone up. Interest rates have risen, making it more difficult to buy a house. And even if you are a renter, rents have also been going up. And so housing has become a challenge. It's difficult to find housing. And housing has become more expensive. And that's for the people who are living in the United States. That's for American citizens. Now let's talk about the migrants who are arriving in the United States, who are new to the country, and we're talking about finding housing for them. No wonder it's a challenge. And, and so the question is, where will these migrants be housed when they go to Erie County in western New York? As I said before, according to the report that I read, the county executive has said that they don't know where these people will be housed. And so housing continues to be a big issue. There isn't enough housing. And 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 so, uh, you know, we saw in New York City that uh, the city put many migrants in school gyms and in chicago many migrants were housed in police station lobby and you can you can go search on the internet and 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 see many more examples of places where city leaders decided to put the migrants you know school gyms police station lobby and and there are other examples so you can go and Search for all of that on the internet. Do your own research. But the bottom line here is that housing is a big challenge. And so this is a crisis, no doubt that this is a crisis. And it seems that uh, city leaders are trying to come up with more ideas as to where uh, these migrants uh, can, can stay in New York. Uh, there's, there's a proposal, and it's a proposal to house the migrants in college dorms. And I discussed that in my previous episode. And also in Chicago, there seems to be a proposal to use a college as temporary housing. And people have lots of objections regarding these ideas. Um, you know, I raised the question in the previous episode, that is it fair uh, to house the migrants in college dorms free of charge, the same college dorms that students have to pay for. When students live in those dorms, they have to pay for that. But the proposal is to house these migrants free of charge in the same college dorms. So there's a question of fairness. You can check out my previous episode if you want um, to listen to uh, the, the comments I made uh, yesterday. But no doubt that this is a big crisis, and it's not just a crisis in New York City and Chicago. Both of which, by the way, let me tell you again, both of these cities are sanctuary cities. New York City and Chicago both are sanctuary city but now it seems that as people are showing up as migrants are showing up the city leaders are starting to realize that it's very difficult to be a sanctuary city and in 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 the case of new york new york city is trying to send migrants to other counties and those counties are saying that no 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 we're not sanctuary counties you chose to be a sanctuary city New York City. So, if you want to keep the migrants, you can house them in your own city and not send them out to other counties because those counties did not declare themselves to be sanctuary counties. Imagine what the American communities at the US Mexico border are going through. The communities that are close to the US Mexico border. As the country experiences an influx of migrants, what are the border communities going through? People are struggling in those communities. Those communities are facing tremendous pressure. Because let me, let me remind you, my friends, since President Joe Biden took office, millions of migrants have entered the country. And let me tell you, you, you see a lot of people coming in now. And they are asylum seekers, as they are called. But millions of people have entered the country illegally since President Joe Biden took office. People who crossed the U.S.-Mexico border to enter the country illegally, they violated our country's laws, they came in without permission, without authorization. And so we have seen massive illegal immigration, and now, and now that Title Forty Two has been lifted, uh, it was lifted uh, some days ago. Our country is see- seeing a massive influx of people who are who are uh, seeking asylum in the United States. So this this overall crisis with the southern border, it's been going on. For almost two and a half years now, because let me remind you again when President Donald Trump was in office, he brought the situation the 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 border crisis under control to a great degree because his administration was focused on enforcing our nation's immigration laws and his administration was focused on securing the border. So President Trump and his administration, they worked on securing the border, and that's what should be done. But since President Biden came to office, we we don't have a secure border. and And you can see that because people are coming in. Millions have already entered the country, and people are coming in every single day. And now cities like New York and Chicago, which are far away from the US-Mexico border. New York and Chicago both are far away from the US-Mexico border, but they are feeling the pressure. And the liberal leaders of New York City, they wanted the city to be a sanctuary city, but now they are starting to realize that they don't have place to house these migrants. And the same goes for Chicago. And even Uh, in a city like Denver, uh, they are also uh, feeling the pressure of this border crisis, of this migrant crisis, of this humanitarian crisis at the U.S.-Mexico border. My friends, let me now talk about a different topic, which is the 2024 presidential election. Well, it's not entirely a different topic. It's somewhat connected because if you think about it, the crisis, the border crisis that we have right now would not be happening if we had a Republican president in the White House. So the 2024 presidential election is an opportunity for a Republican candidate to win the office of the president. And the latest update that I'm going to share with you is that Ron DeSantis, Florida governor, reportedly will make an announcement later today. Likely, he will announce his candidacy for the office of the president. Many people are assuming already that it will be a political battle between former President Donald Trump and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis in the Republican primary. Donald Trump is leading the race among all the declared candidates so far, and um, I think We have to focus on winning the general election. So we have to ask ourselves, which candidate can win in a general election? But I think for now, we have to wait and see who else joins the race. If you have an interest in politics, if you like following political news, this is the season. And so we will wait and see. Uh, if the polls change after Ron DeSantis joins the race, or will former President Donald Trump continue to be the front runner? It is an interesting time, and so I am looking forward to the weeks and months ahead to see uh, all the new developments that may take place in the in the Republican uh, primary field. So. It's an exciting time. Let's wait and see what happens. We've got former President Donald Trump as the frontrunner. We've got Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who will likely make an announcement that he's running for the office of the president. And Senator Tim Scott also launched his campaign. And then there are other candidates like former Ambassador Nikki Haley, former Governor Asa Hutchinson. Vivek Ramaswami, and I anticipate that there will be other people who will jump into, uh, jump into this race. So we're going to have to wait and see. Lots of excitement, lots of anticipation, and, uh, you know, let's just be patient. Let's wait and see. My friends, let me now talk about social media. Social media seems to be a part of our everyday life and I actually just saw that the United States Surgeon General has uh, has stated something about social media. He said something that I think many people already know. The Surgeon General said that social media could pose profound risk to youth. This was his warning, but I think we already know that. I think people already understand that constantly using social media can be bad for health. And, you know, uh, there are reports that uh, the constant use of social media impacts the mental health of youth. I think people already understand that no one should be constantly using social media. No one should be constantly using social media, regardless of age. And my common sense tells me that looking at the screen constantly can be bad for the eyes, it can cause headaches, and it can lead to other problems. So not only does social media impact mental health, I think it also impacts physical health. It seems to me that social media is necessary, but it must be used properly and not constantly. Youth and adults are both using social media, and it's widespread, and we live in the age of technology, and everyone seems to have a smartphone and social media accounts and apps. Reportedly, 95% of people in the 13 to 17 age group is using a social media platform, and more than a third are saying that they use social media constantly. I think we need to take a break from social media and read a book, read a novel, read some poetry, read a collection of short stories, read a book. And I think it's the parents' responsibility to ensure that their children are not using social media constantly. The parents must take action to ensure the healthy growth of their children. People across the world are now connected. A person can upload a social media post. It could be an image or a video clip and then hundreds, thousands and even millions from around the world can view that image or a video or that video clip in in matter of minutes, hours, days, weeks and the world is just connected. Everything moves really fast. People consume information in real time. They can check their notifications constantly. They can set up uh, alerts on their phone to get the latest information uh, that's being published on the internet. There are many advantages of social media, but it must be used in a way that does not hurt the mental and physical health of people. I think that social media is a part of our life We cannot avoid it completely, but it must be used in a proper way and not constantly. Share with me your thoughts and comments. I am curious to know what you think. Please visit my website, Tosifanam.net. Send me a message. Stay connected with me. And that's all I have for today. Share with me your thoughts, and I hope to be back again with a new episode of Explore and Engage with Anam.